In chapter 11, Paul finally begins to boast himself. You know, no matter what the reason is, the boasting itself is not such a good thing. It's uh, reflecting of its own flesh. You know, when I say, um, the only thing I have is this nice-looking face, then that's no-no, right? When Paul, what's the reason why Paul was, Paul could not um, restrain himself but to boast himself? He said he experienced many super spiritual things. It's all boasting that, uh, it's all method that God doesn't want him to use. But considering the situa current situation, the atmosphere, or the condition of the Corinth, current church, um, Paul, it was only possible for Paul to boast himself in order for them to understand this, even though he didn't really want to do so. That's the reason why he was, um, while he was boasting, he kept um, hesitates to boast himself. So no matter what the reason was, um, it's something that God does not want him to do so. So Paul was very um, cautious and he was very careful while he was boasting out of himself. But why? Why did Paul boast anyways? Because um, Church of Corinth was so immature, that's the reason why um, it was one of the only ways that they could understand it. So Paul uh, could not help himself but to use the toxic, the poison, in order to cure them. In this morning, um, we, we heard the message, uh, boast yourself in the Christ, right? Because there's nothing out of us that we can boast out of. There's nothing that we, we have that God did not give. Everything has been given by God. So what else can, could we possibly boast out of ourselves? Let me, let me eat the ice cream real quick before we, we resume. Is it okay for you guys? Okay, thank you. To our church, uh, God always provides, but because all the servants and all the pastors have gathered, God has His special grace to them. So, you know, since it's the pastor's conference, all the kings have gathered, all the stars of heaven have gathered, so God graciously provides another grace to us. Because his servants have gathered. Anyways, let's continue. You know, I'm very um, dull person in terms of sensitivity. But even myself can sense this strong presence. It's a good thing, right? I believe when you guys return back home to your, your ministry place, I believe that something will happen. Your spirituality will explode in the new level, in new dimension. Your prayer will enter into this new, new spiritual order. Or at least, at least you should have your pulpit straight connected to the heaven above. Direct, you have to have this direct channel between you and the heaven. And the pulpit, the podium that you stand must be like that in order for you to preach. We continue. Let's continue talking about this boasting. 
Boasting itself is not something that God wants to do, but because He wants to um, alert, Paul wanted to alert uh, Corinthian church members so that he intentionally used um, this, this poison in order to cure them. It was out of his self-defense. Um, self so anyways, so in, in any conditions or any circumstances, it's not good for, for a saint to boast himself. Boasting is self-righteousness. Why? Because everything has done by God. And if you continue to boast about yourself, then it becomes your own righteousness. If you live by God, it is impossible to boast about anything. From verse 1 through 3, before he was boasting, before he boasts about himself, he, he talks about who he is. And he says, he said it before, he said before that he's a minister. And now he is reminding to the Corinthian church members who he is. Already they know who Paul was, but, but because he was away from them, these, these um, false teachers and the opposers, they tried to deceive these people. So to whom was Paul talking to? Here, it is actually, rather than talking to the Corinthian church members, Paul was actually proclaiming to these enemies. Because the Spirit has, has this, this um, forgetting um, a function, uh, the enemies can also do so. So that's the reason why Paul reminded them. And in the, in the Middle Age, there, if there's a war between two two forces, he's he's making um an story about the the three kingdoms in China. But anyways, if if there's a there's a general standing in in, in between the two forces, he he proclaimed who he was. So just like that, you need to remind you need to remind the enemies who you are. And because you can believe that you have this these power of being an heir of the kingdom of God, but, but if you don't have this confidence and this faith, then, then it doesn't matter whatever you say to the enemies, they will ignore you. But if you have this faith that I'm a church, I'm a children of God, I'm a royal, chi royal child, you should have this confidence. Then, then you will see that these enemies are nothing. These devils are nothing. You can just just play play with them. A computer professionals because they understand uh, understand the, the the way way of way of how it works. That's the reason why they can uh, you know manipulate whatever they want to. Just like that, in the spiritual realm, if you understand the the order, spiritual order, and if you know this, then to to the enemies, you can 
boldly proclaim. Well, of course, sometimes because of our our uh, limitations as human beings, we might lose to them. But but that doesn't matter because we have this ultimate victory. We have confirmed our victory, right? This is one of the most important faith that we should confirm in terms of spirituality. Why? Because we have this ultimate victory at the end. So that's that's one thing that we should believe at first. And if you continue to um, worry about yourself and think, oh, what if I lose? What if I uh, cannot defeat the enemy? Then that means that you have already uh, allowed the enemies to defeat you. But if you are not being shaken and if you have this faith, then you will, you will, you need this boldness and faith in order to defeat them. Then, then the enemies cannot manipulate them, those people who have faith. Why? Because they are the ones whose faith of doom, whose fate of doom has been determined. Fate of judgment has been determined. So we need to believe this. So here, when Paul was proclaiming who he was, rather than he was directly speaking to the Corinthian church members, instead he was talking to, proclaiming to the enemies and reminding them who he was. So to to you guys practically this is something that you practically need this is something that I do occasionally not 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 so often but God sometimes makes me to um, proclaim who I am to the enemies so anyways let's move on let's look at verse 1 I hope you will put up with me a little foolishness so he was trying to boast about himself, but he felt very uh, burdensome about, about, he was very cautious about boasting himself. So he was having this very cautious voice. This is something that God really is not pleased with. So he cannot say with this, this uh, ruthless voice that he used before. And this is one of the reasons why God loved Paul. Why? Because sometimes us, we, we do not consider these kind of things and we just do whatever we want to, right? But just like what we have heard this morning, the authority we have according to this kingdom of God and this power as being a servant of God, as you continue your spirituality and as you continue your ministry of pastor, This is, these are something that you have lost because you have done your spirituality according to the spirit of religion and because you have done the spirituality um, due to your own deeds. So in the church, it's not like something that you want to make this church as a nice organization. But instead, it's, it's rule itself. It's kingdom of God. And the meaning of kingdom of God itself is on the ruling. So, so church is built upon the ruling of the royal beings, but it's not based upon my own um, pastorship or something like that. Of course, uh, shepherding and pastoring is a key function of ministry of uh, pastorship, but the, the priority should not be that, should not be uh, taking care of spirit yourself. So if you rule your kingdom, um, you might be able to um, feed the people well, but um, instead of just ruling the whole country as a whole, the kingdom as a whole, uh, just feeding them itself does not mean anything. 
So the king ha must have this right order, firm order, in order to uh, rule the kingdom. So if you lose this rule, this is something very important that I have speak. I have spoken this morning. If you have done this according to now, I mean, up until now, then it's fine. But if you fail to um, minister your church according to this disorder, then then all the laws will go directly to your church members. And if you have church members who cannot obey to the rule, then uh, this, this church must um, experience law. And these characteristics of these kind of churches have this strong characteristic of uh, democracy in their church. And the elders have strong authority in their church. And they even um, manipulate the, the pastors as their servants. So... So not to lose the order of rule in the church is so important. Then the church members will be safe and be happy and will not uh, experience loss. In Ephesians 1.23, to him who is the head of the church, uh, is talking about the order of the rule. Who is um, The church must obey and follow the order of the head, who, uh, the, the Christ, who is the head of the church. And if we follow that order, we can do anything in Him. But what's the thing that I'm talk, trying to talk here? Sometimes you might think then, then the pastor might seem very arrogant. But this is an order that has been given by God, directly from God. So, so, so the pastor must be cautious using that authority. So the characteristic of that kind of pastors are the humility and the humbleness. Paul himself, he did not intentionally, um, uh, out of his own purpose, use his apostleship as his own authority, but instead he was very humble. So if, if What's the common common characteristic of the people who have met God in the right way? Their um, their self um, esteem goes so high, but at the same time, their humility goes very low, so that they cannot live without bowing down and kneeling down before God. These are two common uh, characteristic of the people who have met God in the right way. Once again, their self-esteem becomes uh, soars very high up, and at the same time, their humility goes uh, down low so that they can kneel down before God. This is fear before God. If you have these characteristics, then it's an evidence that you have met um, God in the right way. And these kind of people cannot become arrogant. But at the same time, you will never lose the authority and power that has been given from God from above. And these people are being described as these are healthy people in spirit. So, let's continue to verse 2. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. So here, jealousy here, it's written in je as jealousy in Old Testament. His current translation is a little different. Um, one of the words means sort of like passion and one sounds like jealousy. 
But uh, the word jealousy itself doesn't sound so good in our our per- uh, perception, right? But but when it's used in God's voice, then we should understand the difference. Our relationship comes directly from God, right? And when I say to Shinung, um, Pastor Shinung, love me only, then if I say this is in humanly perspective, then it's such an arrogance and it's selfishness, right? This is something that human beings cannot say to one another. And when I say, when I command him, um, love me only, and if he does not love me only, then does does his life become a tragedy? No. But in terms of God's relationship, that's not the case. How can a person enter into this glorification only when they are in in God's law? And God understands this so well. And God understands that this person must enter... um, can only enter into glorification when when He loves me. This is the essence of love. This is the essence of agape in the New Testament. So jealousy, in terms of God, it, it describes how much God loves me. We cannot love anything else but God. That is the only condition for us. So what's the end of our, our spirituality? Love God with all our strength, all our might, and all our, all our passion, and all our life. And if you, if you are losing very freely, then you will become someone who can love God so freely in that perspective. Because you can accept God's love, and, and with that love, you can um, love God back. And then you can love the, the community people. So, um, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealous. This is um, a phrase that Paul is saying that he's not um, putting up his own jealousy, but he, instead he's uh, insisting that he, he is speaking on behalf of God. So it's a clear evidence that he has lived according to his spirit. And if you see that your passion and your jealousy uh, are decreasing in your spiritual spirituality, and saying to yourself and compromising that, oh, because my spirituality has been passed for such a long time, um, you cannot make an excuse like that. If your spirituality uh, continues and deepens, your jealousy and passion must grow um, proportionally. You can ask God too. Um, in in my case, my passion grows continually, and of course, um, physically I am growing weak, but my passion is keep growing and growing. This is proof that Paul did not get lazy on um, dying to his own flesh daily. And you cannot make excuse that, oh, uh, my personal characteristic has been like that for a long time. No, you cannot make an excuse like that. Because God's Spirit indwells in me, and if, he, if His Spirit does not get limited by myself, then you will, ev- you will have this passion naturally, because you have this love. So, the passion itself is a reflection of God's love in, in me. And it comes out of the holiness. So jealousy comes from God's holiness. It reflects God's holiness. What's the holiness? You need 
holiness is, is a status that you love God only. So, so passion here um, is described as that um, one husband is um, introduced you to, to, to Christ. So, and you don't you don't say a, a woman loves many many husbands. You don't call that love. But passion is a word that describes one spouse loves the other, other another only. So what's the epitome of the holiness to become become a, become perfect? A status that you cannot love anything else but God. And if you deepens your spirituality and deepens your relationship with God, then you will become a being that cannot love anyone else but God. Not just intentionally, just um, confessing to God that, oh, I love God, but no. But instead, if you enter purely within your spirit, then your spirit itself will become a spirit that can love God only. And if your fleshly um, strength um, decreases and vanishes, then you will become like that. And if your repentance goes deeper, you don't you don't just repent for the things that you disobey to the commandment of God, but instead you will repent for the things that you have not done according to God's perspective, in God's measurement. So when, when God said love one another and you, you feel like you are you are loving you are loving you're loving God or one another in God's perspective but you you see yourself because your spirituality has deepened you see yourself that you have failed to meet the measurement of God then you repent like that So if your life gets deeper in God, you need to have these um, repentance. Then how much do I have to love? And what's the measurement of God? And how much did God love us? He loved us so much so that He killed His one and only Son to, to save us. So the epitome of love is to give, you, give one your own life. So repentance must be the uh, fundamental of your spirituality, the essence. So if you become a status that you cannot repent, then you might say that, oh, I have not committed sin. Well, but if you repent on behalf of your action of, or your deeds of your, your committing sin, then that's such an immature state. When Paul was at his epitome of his pinnacle of his spirituality, he confessed to himself uh, to to the Lord, "I am uh, I forgot the word uh, that that he confessed himself. He's such a sinner. That, so even even the the evils that he himself, the wickedness that he himself cannot sense, he re even repented that in front of God." So if you continue to die to yourself on your flesh and if you live according to your, your spirit, that, that becomes clear evidence that you are meeting God. And just like those people, like Paul, you will be able to um, repent like that. 
And first of all, your uh, this secret desire in you from Babylon must be acknowledged by you, and you must admit that, and you must repent before God. You must be able to um, acknowledge and admit that, oh, this desire of success, desire of security, these are all evil. And enjoying the world itself is such an evil and sin. Especially to those who are on the road of spirituality, or, or if you are, are pursuing this life to mimic, uh, imitate Jesus Christ, And the, the very first spiritual desire that human beings uh, draw to himself on the road to the spirituality is the desire of pleasure. And the reason why the desire of pleasure comes first is because, because your fleshly strength arises, then a human being must do something in order to uh, un unleash that, that fleshly power or strength but because you are restraining yourself, so it will be revealed as spiritual, uh, this um, desire or pleasure. And a person might get bored and feels like he needs to do something. And this boredom is a reflection of the flesh. So within within that boredom and these these um, paralysis, a human being finds something, and it's the first thing he, these people look for is the desire of pleasure. And one of the main um, businesses that will arise in in next generation will be these um, entertainment businesses and uh, game businesses. Because it, it stimulates, it stimulates the desire of pleasure of people, and the world will be a world that these three S will be prosperous: the sports, screen, and sex. So, these all things, this this desire of pleasure is such a fearful thing. And if you can stop upon this uh, pleasure of a desire of pleasure, then you will experience your spirituality grow in, in a deep, deep level. For a whole day, you should be able to just stay, stay calm and look toward Him and just think upon Him. So if there's any of you who cannot uh, help your, uh, you cannot restrain yourself to just stay still, and if you are busy in your thoughts, and if you are busy on your, on your action, you have to move your body in order to um, unleash the boredom. You know, these days, people, because of the cell phones and uh, the computers that has been developed so well, people, uh, corruption of the people has has accelerated so much. So the time, amount of time of prayer does not matter because um, uh, a distracted person praying 10 hours does not mean anything. Um, and even uh, concentrating prayer for 30 minutes even means more than that kind of person. So if you feel like you you are you cannot restrain yourself your body to 
from keep moving, then you should be able to sense, oh, this is the evidence that I have lived according to my flesh. So you should keep reminding yourself, oh, who am I, who I am to the Lord. This is something that we need to do daily. So that's the reason why Paul was mentioning this jealousy. So jealousy here does not describe the action or deeds. It describes God's heart. So it's the collision of holiness and love. What's the holiness? God's reaction toward holiness. If you commit sin, God is, God is a God who must uh, bring judgment to that to that person. But at the same time, He loves that person too. So, so it's a coalition of uh, holiness and love. So here, jealousy. So when it's jealousy, God is telling that the spirit, "Oh, you love me only. Do not love anything else." It's God's desire to you. He's keep approaching to you like this. And when you love God only, then you will enter into the glorification. And with this heart, Paul ministered to the Corinthian church. So here in verse 2, I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. So here, a person who presents a um, spouse to a husband was usually in this, this Jewish culture was the father of that, that daughter. So a father of the daughter usually presented his his own daughter to a husband. So that father to to his son-in-law um he he while he's talking to him they 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 negotiate the, the price of the marriage, you know, it's it's all culture background. So anyways so Paul, at the time, he's saying he's presenting this Corinthian church to, to the Christ. So he's saying he's the father of the Corinthian church. This is the only right that Paul has from, from the Corinthian church. He has this right of father to guarantee the holiness of the Corinthian church. So how important is that? If the Corinthian church corrupts his own, her own holiness, um, the father cannot present his daughter to the husband, right? So you must understand how tremendous, how fearful thing it is to present his, his daughter to, to the husband. And you want your church to be presented to before Christ as pure and holy bride, but you you saw you see your your church as, as um, immoral as uh, Gomel in Hosea. Then how fearful would that be to Corinthian church? Paul, the Paul's jealousy that he has, just even it, it even seems so selfish and it seems very um, heartless. Why? Because he was looking toward Corinthian church in perspective of God. And he wanted to present Corinthian church in front of God as a holy bride. But when they fail to do so, then he, he's um, job fails, right? So as a, as a father of a church, you should be able to guarantee your own church's holiness. When we say love church members, Then, um, up until we all uh, fulfill the, accomplish this sanctification, this full sanctification, I cannot describe this well, but um, we cannot stop this jealousy of God's love, God's passion.
So if we consider in that case, would you, do you think that I would want the church members to grow in numbers? Would I rather want the church members to grow, grow holy, to become a holy bride in front of God? As a pastor, this is something that I truly, genuinely want. So in me, this has become very embodied. So I, when, when someone uh, introduced someone to our church, I, pers- uh, I at first tells that person to postpone that. Um, think, think about that once again. I tell them that, that person like that. Because I consider the purity and the sanctification of the, each members of the community members more than um, growing the church members in numbers. And not only confirming your church members to become pure and holy in, in sight of God, and more than, but also um, to confirm, are all the church members have the right and qualification to stand before God as these, these um, identity of a bride instead of the, the, the crowd. So, you should have this, this holiness and the qualification of a father in order to guarantee your, your own daughter's uh, holiness. So here, Paul is speaking very boldly. I promised you to one husband. So he's saying only to one husband, to Jesus Christ, being devoted to Jesus himself and to be able to devote, devote one to Christ. So being, being promised to, to one husband, it, it itself is an apocalyptic um, word. It, um, so Paul's purpose was not to uh, accomplish anything on this earth, but to lift up his, his church, and it will be decided at that time. So if we follow the mark, when we say the phrase that we are looking toward the mark, the goal, we're looking toward this apocalypse at the end time. So you, the very prior goal of your ministry of pastorship is not to uh, fulfill anything on this earth, but to uh, to, to follow the, the end, end time so that you will be able to um, present the church before, before God. So living well on this earth or not does not matter. And even if you live well on this earth and if you fail to live holy and be present before God, then you should not be able to live well on this earth. This should be, this should be clear. And, and being abundant on this earth itself is not something that's important. I, I continually tell our young adults, and if you go out in the world and, and ruin your holiness, then just quit the job, then do not do anything. When the eternal kingdom of God comes, and we should have this goal of having the church to be holy, and it will be clear what they have lived in on this earth. So while ruining your, your holiness and your, your identity, there's nothing, anything more prior than this to the, to, from, from keeping yourself holy before God. 
before um, I dismayed the, the church before I I told one of the church members back then uh, not to do some business not to do something else and one of the business that he, he did was to sell tuna tell live fish um, you know the sushi and usually in Korea sushi places sell, sell alcohol so so I told him do not do, do, do this But he insisted uh, to, to continue the business, so I just um, excommunicated him. Why? Why? Because it was a job that may make you lose the qualification to become a pure bride before God. They should be clearly distinguished between, between, uh, in front of the, the pastor so that you should, not have, um, you should not compromise on this issue. They should be clear. Having any, any um, tendency of the world on this earth is poisoning your own church member. If it's a toxic that is, that is deadly, it's a deadly poison, then it'll be, it'll, it'll be easy, but it's, a, it's not lethal, right? So I, I usually tell our church members one of the good ways to um, poison someone to, is to bring the Shiwa Lake's water and Cook, cook a rice with, with that water. You know, he's making a joke. Just, just like that, if you just leave the world's influence in your church members, you will ultimately see your church members um, being corrupted in their holiness. Never ever let your church members to swallow all this poison. Do not compromise on this. In any matter, in any ways, the church must put their life upon the holiness and, and the sanctification. And you should have this spiritual atmosphere to consider the holiness and sanctification worthy in the church. But instead, if a church has an atmosphere that considers um, one of a well-known person in the world as a nice person in the church, just like that, then that's a no-no before God. So you should be able to respect those people who are pure in the church. And those people must have the, the authority of speech in the church. But because the church has been, became a religion on this earth these days, people consider the money or the authority or the power in the church as a worthy thing. But these are substantial things. These are not essential. And most of all, we should have... Um, the holiness, the purity, and these kind of people must have the uh, authority of speech. If a church is an organization, then we, we, there's no need for us to do like this. But church is a place that God himself rules. So can a pastor himself make a decision on his own? No. So on these issues, our pastors must not compromise on these. Let's continue. So in verse 2, I promise you to a one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. So you, you yourself, is a spiritual father. You should consider your church as your own daughter and you should not forget that you have a um, job to present the church before Christ. So, so in humanly perspective, if we ever think that 
I myself need to do all these things on my own, then it's so difficult, right? But why can we do this? Because God allowed, God gave His glory to the pastors. Even though the job is so tough, He allowed us to bear this job according to His glory. When this glory touches us, His authority, power, and freedom comes. With that power, we, should be, we will be able to bear this job with God's calling and God's glory. We should remember this. Let's move to verse 3. With this heavy uh, job, Paul has these opposers and the, the false teachers corrupted Corinthian church. So they are such serpents, evils, and they're Satan's. So Paul was Paul wants the Corinthian church to have spiritual warfare against them and he did not want them to even compromise with, with, within this relationship between the false teachers. So that's the reason why in, chapter, uh, in verse 3, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your mind's way may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So Paul is describing his false teachers as a serpent. In Ephesians, how, what does it say? We, we do not, our war is not on our flesh, but our war is on, upon the spirit, right? So that's the reason why we need to understand well about the order of the spirit. And we need to understand that we have the authority and disarm and even um, bound, bind all the enemies. And we have said that these enemies are very strategic. So if, if the enemy wants us to be corrupted, they might um, give us money or they might give us anything. In perspective of Babylon, if you possess many things, uh, we cannot say if you possess anything that's a curse, if you have no possession that's a blessing, we cannot say that. So um, practically, In the standards of Babylon, if you look, if you look at church in the standards of Babylon, it's so easy for the church to corrupt. So you need to open your spiritual eyes and see what the st strategy of the enemies is. So, and if it's needed, not only these enemies uh, make one person to fall, but but also they make the people around within that relationship of that person person to fall too. So when you, when you have these different groups in the church, it means that you have uh, this relationship that is bound to your own benefits. So with that, with that channel, these enemies, um, enemies try to bring a division between, between one another. But we cannot uh, allow the enemy to defeat us. Why? Because we have God's wisdom and God's knowledge. So we should be able to fight according to His wisdom, His knowledge. So we must kill our own method, die to our own standards. And if we enter into God's standard, we will be always be victorious. You should, be, you should open your spiritual eyes. Pastors must be awake in this matter or your, your church will fall 
easily into the corruption. So you need to be always be alert. And if you de decide yourself and that you will live only according to God's kingdom, God will allow always the power and authority to live according to that. So here in, in verse 3, uh, just as evil is deceived by the serpents, it's impossible for us to uh, describe all the spiritual matters. In, but here, Paul, what Paul is trying to say, no matter what kind of the manifestation is, but in order for the spiritual things to work, the enemies, it's effective for the enemies to deceive that person. The deceit is one of the main commander of the unbelief. But first of all, the deceit must blind the people's eye. So in 1 Corinthians, it is describing this, this, this as um, confusing them. So if you blind someone, it will be easy to fight that person, right? So, so their goal, the enemy's goal is to confuse us. So it's difficult for them, especially to the awakened church, uh, to directly cover their eyes blind. So what's the strategy of them? They first try to um, deceive them with these different colored lens and with these different sounds in the ears. They keep trying to deceive us with the lies. Telling us, oh, that person does not like you, that person hates you. What are they trying to do? They're trying to put this uh, worldly information within our mindsets. Deceiving us, well, if you live like this, how, how will you uh, guarantee your life? How will you live, live happily if you do not um, work or something like this? So continuously, these, these enemies are keep whispering on your ears. Then, at a certain time, certain after a certain period of time, you will your eyes will be blind. So, these are the spirits that um, work uh, all together in terms of sp spiritual order, and they work in front of spirit of unbelief. So within that condition and situation, if they need to use the spirit of immorality, then they will use spirit of immorality. If they need um, spirit of the world, then they will use spirit of the world. So Paul is just um, quoting this spiritual realm. So what did this enemy do? Deceiving Eve? Paul said, Your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to God. If we pross to God, if we set our direction toward God, do, do we have this prior issue between God? No. If we are pross to God, we will continue to accept His light and receive His light, and we will, as long as our direction is fixed to, to Christ, then that's all thing that we need. But we, because we have let uh, um, astray from, from the Christ, that's the, the goal and purpose of the enemy. And Paul, Paul once said, 
you need to confirm that you are fixing your eyes on Jesus Christ. So these these this abstract light of the world, and if you are keeping exposed to this, you will lose your direction. So the very first thing on the spirituality, the very first stage is to set your direction straight to God, to look toward God only. If your uh, fleshly strength keep arise, you will even not notice that you have been deceived. If your fleshly power um, strengthens, it, it creates the deceit and confusion in you. What's the goal to make make a person to be confused? To to deflect to deflect the direction of them toward the Christ. And even even someone whose direction has been deflected, if their fleshly power is too strong, they will not be able to notice that. And they will not even be able to acknowledge that this is evil. And it's not easy for those who have been deceived for such a long time that it's, an, it's a wickedness. But to us, it's so clear. It's, it's a clear unbelief. It's a clear worldliness. So listen carefully. Always, our, our religious life, you should be able to examine yourself daily. That you, are you standing in front of the, uh, the right direction of Christ? You should die to your flesh every single day, every single moment. And you should um, sustain this status. Within, within your spirit, this, your spiritual status, when you keep look to his face, when you keep hear his voice, and if you keep feel his presence, and if you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, why are these so important? Because I'm talking about these, these being deceived and being confused. So in terms of confusion and deceit, um, these all being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, these are all the evidence that I am, I am in the right direction to God. And if you, if you live well, even though you don't feel the present, then that's such an issue. And if you don't see the light, you should be able to feel anxiety. So you should be able to open your spiritual eyes in order to see and examine yourself. I'm not talking about this, this fleshly sensitivity. But if you live by the Holy Spirit, you will become sensitive to Holy Spirit. You will be sensitive to His will, His direction. It keeps approaches to us. Just like sunflower which moves its head toward the sun, we should be able to set our direction to God always. So, continually, continuously opening your spiritual status it's so important. You should keep this in mind. With the identity of God's children, you should be able to live like this. But even, even you're, a pa you're a pastor. So allowing you to be blind by the enemy? Oh, that's a horrible thing. So these enemies trying to 
enemy is trying to um, deflect our direction. So as long as we set our direction toward God, are we okay or not? We are okay. His power, His authority, His wisdom, all the power of blood of Jesus Christ will go straight out from us. As long as we set our direction to Him, fix our direction to Him. Examine yourself whether your direction is uh, set straight toward Him. Then you, it will be natural for you to keep draw the presence to you. So if not, you will be deceived so easily. Just as we have seen in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the light of the glory has been deceived by this, this um, God of this age. And as long as we receive, receive this fundamental essential light to, to us, then your spirit will reflect that light. Why? We have this essential light, this, this uh, fundamental light in us. You should be able to shine the light from you guys. So let's continue. This direction should not become problematic to you. But what happens when your direction are being deflected? You might be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So Paul is worried about this. He's not worried about the enemy itself, but, but he's afraid of this situation. Here, it is described that um, be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion. So being pure and um, sincere and pure, what are, the, what are these characteristics? These are the lifestyle of the people who want to live according to God. So if you live according to God, your mindset will be simple. It's clear. If you are, if you are complicated, that, that's an evidence that you have too much fleshly burden on you. If a ministry of a pastor becomes your burden, then your mindset will be complicated. So being simple, it is, it is connected to self-restraint self, um, in, in Proverbs. So to, to the complicated people, it's impossible for them to have self-restraint. They cannot restrain themselves from eating, from talking. So if you are in a right direction to God, then their life must be simple. I'm not talking about characteristic or personality. When you're living by God and if you love God right, this, this characteristic will naturally be revealed from that person. There are people who naturally think very complicated to all the issues, right? They are the people whose um, legalism, legalism, uh, uh, not legalism, uh, reason and rationality uh, has been developed in, in their mindset. There are doctors in our, in our churches, right? Who are the doctors? They can see through, uh, see many things through one thing, right? <laughs> so he, he's talking about the word doctor in Korean. Um, it's a terminal, it's a word to a person who can see many things through one thing, something like that. 
So being simple, it is describing the status that you see um, see only to the Christ and through Christ you see all the other things. So simple does not mean that you are foolish or you are you're just you know not good. It's talking about the relationship between God. So through Christ you can see see anything. Through Christ you can see all the, the areas of the, the culture, um, politics and any any other matters. Because you have lost your direction, you you lose your uh, simplicity and your purity. Because Paul understands this spiritual order so well, that's the reason why he was able to uh, describe it like this. If you lose the direction, you will lose your purity and your your um, your simplicity. That's the reason. Uh, because Paul was understanding the spiritual well so well, he was able to describe it like this. So if you are keep receiving the light, and in order for you to keep receive the light, you will oh, you will be healthy and. Just like the plants who who are able to, which are able to uh, sustain its life when it's looking looking to the light. Just like that, we also need to look look toward the light so that we will receive the life. If you do not receive the light, you will. If you do not receive the light, you will lose your life. So verse three. comes out from Paul's great understanding of the spiritual realm. Within these, the serpent's great strategy, um, do not let the, the serpents to uh, manifest its, its strategy in your church. Do not leave your church members who have lost their direction. In that matters, the, the pastors must pray, pray passionately for those people. You should be able to pray like, Oh, God, our church members are being deceived. So in your daily life, these, this manifestation of the deceit and the confusion can take place many times in your day. For example, if someone says something that does not please to your heart, if you get deceived by that, you might, you might think that, Oh, that person does not like me. These are all deceit. Or for example, if you if you shop something online these worldly things um, considering these things on this earth as a nice and luxurious it itself is a deceit these are all deceit thinking that oh these are nice but if you open your spiritual eyes and see those things doesn't mean anything Let's continue. Verse 4. From verse 4. Oh, never mind. Just verse 4. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than Jesus, other than Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you receive, or different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. He's emphasizing this deceit here. So here, 
What's the crucial point of deceit? It's difficult for the enemies to deceive these uh, Holy Spirit-filled people. It's not easy for them. But, but in the church, in order for the enemies to work effectively uh, using the deceit in the church, is to the weak people in the church. In front of people, Paul said, uh, My truth has not been mixed. It's pure. Paul puts his life on his truth that he preaches. He has no um, compromising. But look, the three things that he talks about, different Jesus, different spirit, different gospel, these are not being separated. These are one thing. Especially in the Corinthian churches, who are these false teachers? In, in today's, today's terminology, it, um, Paul is describing these, these... He's talking about this these, um, glory without cross it's in terms like that. So, rather than the identity of Jesus Christ coming on this earth to bear the cross, these false teachers emphasize more on, on the victory or the, the abundance or the prosperity. But just as it has impacted the Corinthian church, it is uh, also working to uh, the contemporary churches too. They do not talk about the suffering. Contemporary churches never preach about emptying oneself. Glory without cross. So Paul here is using the term different gospel, different Christ. So these clear heretics, such as this, this um, new heaven and earth in Korea, Shincheonji. So this, this unification um, church and these all clear heretics. Or Jehovah's Witnesses, all these, 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 these big names in the heretics. <laughs> Do you think these big names, these big heretics cause damage to the church? No, rather than them, who are more crucial to the church of God is the, the church, uh, the, the false churches who talks about these, these, these um, glory without cross to the people. What's the gospel? It begins from a life and it ends with life. So, so the gospel, the gospel's goal must um, comes to to uh, emptying oneself. But the heretics emphasize the flesh itself, the glory itself. And this is even more crucial than the the big name heretics. What, what hurts God's heart even more is the, the, these churches which 
preaches false gospel, different gospel. So in this, in this matter, we it is so important us to secure the truth. And what's the what's the job that has been given to the remnants in the revelation is to protect protect the truth. So at this end time, someone must protect this truth. And I believe we have been called for this job, for this goal. That's the reason why he is keep opening this revelation to us. The road itself was not easy. And even now, it's not easy for me. I don't know what's the reason why he is using me. But God is keep revealing the the inspiration and revelation from the early day churches. But I'm sure that we will begin our our job to secure the truth as soon as possible. So this is a very practical goal that lies before us. So the pastors must not commit sin to be mixed with other gospel and preach other gospel and truth. But rather, keep yourself as holy as possible, as sanctified as possible, and preach the right and right truth. You must um, preach clearly the the cross rather than the glory itself. To all all our beloved pastors who are preaching the gospel, you should be always alert toward these issues. So always, just like Malachi's um, prophecy, the the offering must be pure, and the hands giving the offering must be pure too. There must be some limitation to you that uh, that you cannot keep yourself holy and keep the offerings holy. And if you have those limitations, just receive, just receive the truth that Joy Ministry preaches. That's safe. Truth itself, you, you can receive from the soul ministry, but your spirit and your relationship between God is something that you must unravel in terms of your own spirituality and in your life. The priest, until he retires, the priest must remain in the sanctuary itself. So, so that's the reason why their retirement is early, until they are 55. Why? Because they have to keep standing. So the priest must not look outside to the world. They should not be mixed to the world, mixed with the world. If they are the servants who are looking only to the glory of God, they should not live like that. That's the safest way. If you look, look toward the world, there's nothing left. So from verse 5 to 16, uh, 15, it's easy. Apollos keeps saying that he's a true apostle. Verse 5. 
I don't, I don't think I am, the, I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. So here, super apostles means these 12 apostles of, the, of Jesus. But Paul is not trying to um, look down on these apostles, but instead, because the words and terminologies that these false teachers used to compare them to Paul, uh, Paul was emphasizing these. But because the, the word he used here, it seems like Paul is looking down on them. Paul did not feel comfortable to them. So here, when he said, I am in the least in fear, does that, does that mean that he's talking about in terms of quality? No, he was talking about the calling. He said, he's saying that there's no difference between the calling of him and the, the 12 apostles. He's talking about the measurement of his calling. They have been called by God, and I also have been called by God. So we are, we are no different. So this must be clear. Without this calling and confirmation of this calling of God, you should, no matter how talented and how exceptional you are, that does not mean anything. This only acknowledgement of God that, that decides everything. He has called me. Without this, you cannot live. Without this, you cannot live. But instead of this, with this, uh, conversely, with this, you, we can do anything because of this, this calling. Verse 6. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker. So he's admitting that he, his way of speech is weak. But actually, but actually, if you look at Book of Acts, Paul could talk all night long, but compared to the people who used to be a great speech, uh, speakers in, in, in Paul's era, his speaking skills were um, little, little less than them. To the ones who preach the truth, to uh, deliver the truth, um, God really does not require a nice trained skill of speech to them. It would be nice for them, but it's not, it's not mandatory. But what's, what's the thing that's important? They must have the life be delivered from their truth. Anyway, see, Paul here, compared to those great speakers in the Hellenistic era, he, he admits that his speech skills um, was little less than them, but he said that but I do have knowledge. So here, knowledge, he included his revelation and inspiration that he had. This is something that God guarantees to him. Gospel's the same. So having the sermon itself as exceptional does not really matter, but, but what matters is whether that sermon has a life that circulates within. And having this life, and if you reveal the, the method to reveal that life is your way of speech, that, so only thing that you need is your anointing. If we say we need one spirit, through that is a spirit of a gospel deliverer. So nice speaking skill is not necessary. But Holy Spirit leads you, uh, leads you well. It all comes from your relation. The sermon does not uh, is not decided upon your nice speaking skill. And if you look at the truth, uh, 
If Holy Spirit wants, He will make this logical. He will make this uh, exceptional. So it does not um, matter on the speaking skill. What matters is whether you have the life of the Holy Spirit within. Let's continue. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. So when Paul first established his church, to all people, he did not... Um, He did not um, discriminate. He did not discriminate anyone, um, whether they are poor, whether they are uh, young or old, whether they are pastor, whether they are lay members. Why? Because he is not the one who is preaching. The truth, truth can be preached to anyone, no matter. Uh, no matter of the social status or no matter um, what kind of status they are in, what kind of condition they are under, the gospel can be preached anywhere. This is the life of the gospel. So whether it's a, the young adults conference, whether it's children's conference, so no matter who the audience is, the truth must be preached and proclaimed. So, this, so Paul is saying that he has a truth. Verse 7, was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to, to you free of charge? So here, Paul is talking about um, his, his, uh, the, the, the wage that he received. So here, when he said he lowered himself, he said he did not receive money from them. So here, people accused him by not receiving the money from them. But Paul was denying that. Paul was saying, he was describing this characteristic of Paul, Paul and his um, gospel's conti uh, this continual characteristic. And Paul's, Paul wants to emphasize that if he continues to receive the money from the Corinthian church members, there are still people in Corinth um, who are financially weak, so he does not want to put burden on their shoulders. So that's the reason why he did not receive the money from them. So Paul receiving money from them is not wage. But conversely, from the Philippian churches, Paul even asked them to give him money. Why? Because he does not consider receiving money as his own wage. So Paul here, the reason why he did not receive money from them is uh, because of the perspective of gospel. This is something that I talked when we preached about the offerings. So we'll skip this part. Verse 8, I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to, so as to serve you. So these accusers said that he has robbed from other churches. So Paul was uh, making fun of them. And Paul is re-emphasizing that he does not want to put a burden to, to those people who are financially in need. So Paul is saying everything is possible, but he's, 
He's restraining from everything. He can do anything, but what's the freedom of Paul? Is that he, he only uh, lives according to the freedom that is defined within the truth. So he was under this complete um, dominion of the truth. Does that mean he has no relationship with the Bible or, or Holy Spirit? No. What's this, this characteristic of this free life of those people who are complete under this complete dominion of truth? That they will um, restrain themselves from enjoying their, their complete freedom. If someone um, feels bad about something, then he will restrain himself from enjoying the freedom. Paul said, uh, no, Jesus said to, to his disciples, when you are young, you, you roam around wherever you want, but when you grow mature, someone will pull, put yoke on your shoulder. So if you grow mature, you will become someone who, who cannot live their life according to their own will. Leaders are the ones whose life is defined by God. Wherever they go, whatever they do, must be defined by the Holy Spirit and the truth. But what's the crucial um, point of this uh, definition? Is whether this becomes a life to someone or, or not. If eating a meat becomes, does not become a life to someone else, then I can forfeit that right to eat the meat itself. So this is the freedom. In that, in, in that way, uh, pastor ministry is not fun, right? Is it fun? Well, anyways, verse 9. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. So in terms of he, his uh, missionary uh, trips, he did not ask someone for, for money. He did not put burden to someone else. It was not Paul's personality or characteristic. But because, because there were people in the Corinth who did not acknowledge Paul's right, so he did not want to put burden on them. So here, brothers who came from the Macedonia supply what I needed. Whenever Corinthian church members hear this kind of issue, they must repent. They, they must repent thinking, oh, we have been full, we have been immature. Paul had to receive um, supplies from people from Macedonia, but instead they accused Paul saying that he was greedy. It's such a painful thing that church itself is powerless and not being able to serve the church. But, but Corinthian church, it was a different story, right? They, they did have enough influence. They did have enough supplies. They did have enough materials. And they should consider that serving pastor well is their own blessing. But Corinthian church was not able to do so. And it applies to us same. And you should um, tell your church members this very clearly. Myself, I intentionally, in order to bless my church members, I tell them to bring bring um, supplies to to me. And if if people bring me something, do you think I I, I would personally um, take those things? No. 
I intentionally blessed our church members, and and, and I offered to the church. This is this is one of the evidence of the order that the church is well ruled by the the pastor. So look, what's important for the pastor is that when church members uh, become picky and um, uh, so if if a pastor do not allow the church members to have the opportunity to serve the pastor, is it's like putting a curse upon them. In, because it's not allowing them to receive blessing through the serving. So to, in, in those cases, to the pastor himself, to the church members, to them, church member, I mean, I mean, kingdom of God does not come present to them. So it, it's, a, it's like a curse. If that's the case, just, just pack your stuff and quit, quit the pastorship. So if from the first place, um, Pastor Cho, if you go to Gwangju, what you should do? You should just destroy everything. Stronger than, than I, I preached. You should be able to um, ask the church members to tithe three tenths of your 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 earning anyways verse 10 as surely as the truth of Christ is in me nobody in the religion of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine he used the term the truth of Christ this is something that I have described many times so I will not not do it again but but when we say truth of Christ, what does it mean? To Paul, the truth of Christ is word of a king. But more precise, more precisely, is truth of Jesus Christ. And even more precisely, is the truth of Jesus uh, becoming the Christ Himself. So it's the fundamental order of weakness becoming a victory. So in Second Corinthians, in Second Corinthians, one of the core messages is is this equation of weakness being victory. This is not a, a positive mindset. But my weaknesses, my situation, all the sufferings and tribulations that I face on this life, the only reason why it becomes problematic to us is because we receive that and we react that with our flesh. So immediately we should be able to react with our spirit and that will become our victory. So this equation of weakness become a victory must be manifested in your daily life. So once again, weakness equals the, the victory. So this is a complete freedom. Not having the money will lead you into prosperity of God. So what else? If you if you face and confront the tribulation or suffering, it leads you. It will lead you lead you to glory. So all your limitation that you face, if you do not react with your own flesh, then it will lead you to your victory. These weaknesses. The reason why it becomes the weakness to you is because you are trying to live it according to your own methods. But if you forfeit on your desire and if you forfeit for. Um, 
before God and to the Holy Spirit, and He will lead you naturally. So through this equation, it will um, manifest lots of incidents of victory in your life. So let's continue. The truth of Christ is in me. Nobody in the uh, regions of Kea will stop this boasting of mine. So Paul said in verse 2, two what Paul can do is to boast about his weakness. He boasts about boasts that he cannot do anything. He's not doing he will not do anything. He does not want to do anything. But who does it? God. God does. So continuously laying himself down. This is God's wisdom. Wisdom of Christ. So completely a church must be ruled under God's God's dominion and everything must be done by God. So pastorship if you all you need to do only if you have the confidence that God is working through you. So if you begin to wait upon God and if you just let God work upon you, then you will begin to experience this time just like apostle. So what's the, the first trace that you have this long suffering? So you have to wait, you have to um, not do anything, you have to confess that you can't do, you have to confess and give chance to God. But if you keep seeking and trying to find the method that you 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 want to do then it will weaken you and and you will experience uh, this weakness become uh, is victory will accelerate your your spirituality when i first established a church the whenever i asked god for the money god told me i will do i will do but he never answered me with with money he never responded me but as I look back in time, I realized that it, it um, did not become problematic to me anymore through those times. Why? Because I endured all those times. I persevered all those times waiting for God. So now, now for me, those, those response is no longer needed. So within this harmonization of God uh, He does not react according to my own ones but He He will always lead us to the victory so now I have confirmed that uh, this, this relationship has been um, set firm so that this weakness is his victory Fundamentally, if you, oh, it's because I have uh, went through the procedure of um, emptying myself and uh, let going what I have. It's because that that I have become able to have this kind of relationship between us. So weakness becomes strength, or or victory. This is Paul's boasting. Just as truth of Christ was in Paul. I bless you that this weakness becomes victory will be embodied to your life. So no matter what kind of situation, no what kind of condition, what kind of atmosphere you confront, 
if you react react to the death of Jesus Christ, then you will uh, experience this weakness, this victory to be um, embodied in you. If you become weak, you will become free, right? You will, you will begin to shine the light. So begin smiling. So always we should shine the light, reflect the light. Why? Because we have this ultimate victory. There's no, no reason for us to uh, grieve. Let's continue. Verse 11. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. So, so because, because he laid down himself and all this issue did not come from lacking of his love, but it's, it came from his love actually. So Paul's intention is not to put burden, but instead he wants to uh, send the gospel directly without any... Um, without adding anything to the truth and the gospel. So to Paul, adding anything from the Babylon to himself becomes his own weakness. So our principles should not be, should not be owning something and adding something to ourselves in terms of Babylon, in standards of Babylon. So to all of us, um, we do it so differently. We try to become strong. We try to earn something. We try to possess something. We try to be able to become uh, possible of doing something, right? These are all currents that is against the gospel. But to Zoe Minis churches, we, we are now all prepared for God to use. Why? Because we don't have anything. We don't own anything. God lowered all of us as much as possible right okay let's move on look so here Paul this is all about gospel because Paul has this gospel in him he was able to live this life so one of the, the things I meditate upon one of the grief that I have these days No matter how much I, I strive, I have so many, um, you know, reasons and characteristics that I can live according to my own strength. So it's difficult for me. It becomes a burden in my heart that it makes me unable to live according to my weakness. But this is something that I need to solve. But because I'm, I have this issue of position. I don't. I. It's difficult for me to solve this. Sometimes I pray to God. God, because of these reasons, should I go to Texas and establish church? Show me your sign. I have to do apostolic, apostol, um, this, this ministry of apostle. If I stay in one church for a long time, it's natural for me to grow in strength. There are so many things that I can command to someone and, and do 
You guys don't understand this well, right? There are so many things that I can possibly do just by commanding people. So what is needed for me is to enlarge my scale. I have to begin to do things that I cannot even accomplish without with my, my own commandments to the people. Pastors must have these kind of um, thoughts too. So all these strengths that are, are allowed to you during your ministry of pastor, even itself, even though it has been given by God, God is not so well pleased with those strengths. So that's the reason why I am um, thinking about this so, so, so many times. So here, Paul is, that's the reason why Paul is saying he's talking about this in terms of love. So look, so many contemporary churches are mimic, uh, imitating this lifestyle of um, idolizing this, this lifestyle of Babylon. They try their best in order to um, raise their social status, raise their uh, pop, uh, popularity. Verse 12, And I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. What, what is Paul saying here? He will continue to do live according to this equation. The weakness is victory. So no matter what others says, no matter what the world says, we should not listen to them. There's no need for us to listen to them. So what are the things that we need to do um, to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things that they boast about? These false teachers trying to deceive um, that they have this own right to rule over the Corinthian church. And Paul wants to destroy this, the strategy of the enemy. And Paul... Paul is saying, in order to break the strategy of and defeat the, the enemy, it's not because he's strength, strong, but he's saying it's because of his weakness he can defeat his, he can defeat his enemies. So in, in the kingdom of God, the little are the great. This is proclamation of Paul's life. He's proclaiming that he, I will keep, become weak. And I myself and all of you, I want us to uh, imitate Paul's life like this. This is not a simple equation that has been made out of nowhere in, a, in an instance. But within all these years of ministry of Paul, he did not become, he did not get himself lazy from um, dying to himself. So as his life living according to his spirit has been lengthened, he was able to become someone who can live relying completely upon Holy Spirit. So now he could he is able to proclaim that his weakness is his victory. Why is this possible? Because what I am doing is not victory. If God does it, it's a victory, right? So 
So keep allowing my personality to not allow myself to do anything. So what's the failure? Failure is to to have my own measurement and have my own method in order to complete something. If I do something according to my own scale, own measurement, then there's no chance for God to work upon it. So within these issues, you we always have to be cautious. This is Paul's life of gospel. Verse 13. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. These are all fakes because they are serving the flesh, serving the idols. They are all, um, all, all deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Verse 14, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan himself, he... He himself masquerades himself as an angel. He, he used to be an angel, so he understands so well how to mimic and imitate an angel. So it is so natural for the enemies to work um, through the spirit of de deceit because they want to hide themselves. So in any, any circumstances, this sin does not come in a strong suffering. We need to understand, at the first stage of sin, we have this pleasure of sin. And because of this pleasure of sin, people fall into this sin and they cannot come out of this eternal um, agony. So this, this short, short pleasure of sin, we need to be able to diagnose this and see this. So spiritual discernment itself, it itself is not a spiritual gift, but in a normal person, to, to the normal people, to the normal people who live spiritually, um, it's so natural for them to see this. So if, because you are trying to live according to your common sense, common knowledge and your knowledge, that's the reason why you are keep shutting your spiritual senses. So when... When you understand that this deceit is a problem, when you know this and when you see the spiritual reality and see, oh, this short pleasure of sin is so um, uh, poisonous and crucial, then you, you, should be, you will become able to uh, uh, reject those. And we should be able to desire this, this uh, Paul's life. This masquerading strategy of the enemy. Look at look at the world. They are all doomed. They are all fated to judge, be judged. They look luxurious. They look nice. So I have said this when I preach about news. So news, news determines the color according to this this uh, certain combination and mixture of different colors. So that's the. Um, the reason why these cell phones are dangerous. So naturally, when you are young, we need to educate the children, uh, babies, uh, showing them the black and white first. But what are these day parents do? They sh just show the cell phones to their children because, because it's so convenient for them to do so. But, but 
the original order of God's um, spiritual world must be formed from the blacks and white. And first, um, in God's kingdom, you should be able to have good sense of hearing. Then after that is the sense of sight, sense of seeing. When we say computer, it's not such a compl uh, complicated thing, but it's rather a mixture of number of zero and ones, zeros and ones. That's all, right? Just like that, everything in this world are, are, are being decided by the mixture of good and evil. And darkness and light. And within that mixture, um, God's harmony uh, becomes manifested. But in order to discern this enemy's strategy, we need to discern the blacks and whites first, not the colors. So you should be able to have this sight. As I always emphasize, look toward the light, then you will be able to sense the darkness easily. And as you guys pray, I believe, I bless you that your spiritual discernment will grow. Verse 15, It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. So to you guys, if you live self-centered, if you live according to your flesh, how are you being deceived? Then you, be, you are being deceived that you are living according to the righteousness. But you are living according to your own righteousness. You are thinking to yourself, Oh, this is something that God wanted to do. This is something that God told me. Even though you are living according to your flesh. This is all self-righteousness. What's, what's the characteristic of God's righteousness? You should always have this amazement of God's righteousness. You should have this joy. You should have this boldness. And you should, you should have this confidence that is not being shaken by anything. But if you have self-righteousness, at first you have this um, confidence, but soon you will, lose, you, you will lose the confidence. But God's righteousness, even though it passed 10 years, uh, it will still be righteousness. And you should still have the, the amazement. So when God says He's righteous, you should confirm that you are meeting God. So this is the areas that enemies are trying to deceive. There was this one uh, pastor's mother in Zoe ministry back in the days. Uh, she was keep hearing the voice of the devil telling her, hey, um, open the Bible in certain certain page and is telling her go out, go out in the field and just walk around. So after three days, immediately, immediately after three days, she was possessed by a demon. So she was deceived that she was hearing that God's voice. But soon after three days, she was um, possessed by the demon. 
these are uh, do not think that these are extreme um, examples you should be always be reminded that in God's righteousness you should have joy and amazement and confidence so always those who look to, to the light it's not difficult for them to discern whether it's God or not God's will or not but because they have never lived according to God's will they fail to do so The reason why it's so difficult because is that they lived only according to their flesh for such a long time and they only try to discern whether it's God's will or not seldomly. If you live 100% according to God's will, you will be able to discern everything so easily. So it's not surprising then. So here in verse 15, so it means that in Paul's eyes, it's so clear. So it's, it was so clear for Paul is that these, these enemies are masquerading as servants of righteous. Tonight, strongly, what should we pray? We should pray. We need to break this strategy of deceit. Father, destroy all the masquerading strategy of the enemies. Father, open our spiritual eyes, spiritual sights. <laughs> 